0: What's up folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt's Sports House. I am your host, Matthew Anderson. A lot to talk about today, and it's just me, so let's get into it. Welcome to my sports house. Do my house. It's my house. Do my house. <laughs> All right, folks. So we'll go ahead and start at the University of South Carolina, who did, in fact, lose to Kentucky in Kentucky. The final score 41 18. I saw it best on Twitter. One of the Carolina fans was like, We're just happy the season's over. We knew it was gonna be a tough one. If you go back to one of the first episodes of the season, I said, this is an all-SEC schedule. So if your Ducks are not in the row, it was gonna be a really tough one for the Gamecocks. Gamecocks end up with two wins on the season. I think I was, I think I said two, maybe three, but dude, I mean, God, that's terrible for a program that's built. I'm, I'm not saying South Carolina is definitely not a, they're definitely not a traditional powerhouse or anything like that, but the fan base kind of treats it as such. So it's like, y'all give us two wins. Well, as we know, Must Champ is out the door. Um Shane Beamer started just about right after the game. It became official Sunday, but you were hearing the ports, the reports already. It was funny because Last week, whenever he interviewed, they were all like, oh, there's nothing finalized. Like, no, no, no. They were literally waiting to the last snap. And they're like, OK, get your behind on the plane. It's time for you to become a new head coach. It's his dream job. So it all works out really well. I'm sure uh, Frank Beamer is very happy for his son getting his first head coaching gig at a university that he coached at, being that Shane Beamer coached it before. So very excited about the new era of South Carolina football. Like I said, it officially became uh, it became really official on Sunday. He flew it on the university jet for the announcement and some media gigs. You already see him on the Gamecock football account on Twitter and Instagram. You know, our, the Gamecock social media staff it does an excellent job. So I knew whenever they get like a new opportunity, a new coach, somebody like that they're all over it because there's nothing but a whole bunch of creatives just trying to figure out how they're going to advertise this for the best for the university. But anyway, so although he is the South Carolina head coach now, he has announced that he will coach in the Big 12 championship game in Oklahoma. They'll play the Iowa State Cyclones. Not expecting to hear Ohio, Iowa State in the Big 12 championship. They've had a really good year. Their coach, they really love their coach over there in Iowa. I think Ames, Iowa, if I'm not mistaken. And one thing I was thinking about, too, is could you imagine the Texas fans sitting there being like, Iowa State? Is in the Big 12 championship. Meanwhile, we're sitting at home. I think Texas are going to get rid of Frank Beamer. They were, I'm not Frank Beamer. I think Texas is gonna go ahead and get rid of um, their head coach Tom Herman. And they really want it. They really, really wanted Urban Meyer, but I don't think Urban's gonna do it. Urban's great on college football, play uh, college football kickoff on Fox. So he's probably just gonna stay there for a while. I had a clip of him in last week's episode. Some of you haven't seen Listen to last week's episode. Make sure you go back and check in on it. But anyway, back to the point, Shane Beamer said that he will coach the Big 12 championship game. A lot of South Carolina fans are already kind of like, no, like, OK, your head coach, stay here. And i am tell you why. The early signing day for like recruiting, because you know, now they have two of them, one in February and one December 16th. Is approaching here really shortly? Six players have decommitted from South Carolina since Muschamp decided to, uh, since he was fired, which means the class, the recruiting class, is ranked 89th and last in the SEC. Y'all, you, the SEC is one conference you cannot be behind in recruiting. That that does not work very well, especially if you're trying to win games and start a new era. And so, with that being said, South Carolina only has 10 commits already, and so they have 11 to work with. And because if he goes and coaches at for this Big 12 championship, that's another week the South Carolina's getting behind. Now, I know their assistant coaches will get out there. I'm sure he's got a staff ready to go, and they're going to have to kind of get it kind of quickly, unless they decide to go play, finish the seasons of their conference championships or bowl games. Um, with wherever school they're at currently. But with this being said, this guy, this South Carolina fans feel like, okay, you're our guy. You say this is your dream job, act like it. Now, so I think South Carolina will, in fact, also hit the Juco ranks really hard in the college transfer, see which guys are ready maybe for a fresh start. Like, okay, come on to Columbia. We need you right now. Juco guys, it's like, okay, that guy's really talented. Does he have the grades? You get to Columbia too. Matter of fact, you go ahead and get him before New Year's. We're going to go ahead and get this thing started. So, Something to look forward to there. Also, high school coaches in the area that are gangcocks. I think they're Jason Barnes, he's a Dutch Fort wide receivers coach, if I'm not mistaken. He's a big one. He's like, he's one of the best of, uh, I would say one of the best coaches, up and coming coaches right now in the states. A South Carolina grad. He posted on Twitter, all he needs is opportunity. He wants the job. So I think if Shane Beamer does his like just, he'll see. Okay, that that might be a guy. If nothing else, from him being a great coach, is a great PR move that you're going back to welcoming the former players into the program, because it seems like that's been a big thing at South Carolina, which you don't hear about too much at other schools. It's like. Former players want to get back involved and they, I don't know, Muschamp kind of had like a step arm tool, but it just wasn't really happening. So there's a lot of coaches. A matter of fact, at USC, you go to the band fields, like a turf field out there and the band's not out there all the time, obviously. So you can pretty much always go there and see a former USC football player out there coaching guys. Everybody from, uh I'm trying to think of some names. You see Tory Gurley out there sometimes. You can see Corey Boyd out there at times. You see a lot of these different coaches, and so they coach a lot of different high schools throughout the state. So we'll see if he retains some of these guys. Ellis Johnson is also being looked at to maybe come back as be a special advisor for the team, kind of like what Steve Spurrier did with Florida for a while. For a little while, if you don't remember Ellis Johnson, he was defensive coordinator at the University of South Carolina back during that time. Before. Ward came in uh I think him and Ward were actually there together I think Ward was under him at first and then Ellis I think Ellis moved on yeah Ellis moved on to become a head coach at Southern Miss so something to look for there too Shane people will not be bringing back T-Rob I think he looked at that defense issue. he said nah before like you gotta pack your bags so the answer has to figure out where T-Rob lands at next a lot of times he ends up riding with must jump but he, he might go on his own so we're gonna see what happens with that okay we're gonna move to clemson who in fact beat virginia tech with the final score 45 10. clemson had on the orange britches which is where they pull out for the big games it wasn't as much so virginia tech that was the big game it wasn't clemson need this game to keep going as they strive to get to this acc championship game which they have locked into we'll talk about that in a second at the half of this virginia tech game though Clemson was only up 17 10 and it was kind of a slower start for the tigers but they they eventually got going in the third and fourth quarter where they scored 14 points in each and they obviously got the win. Trevor didn't have his best day, going 12 for 22, 195 yards and a touchdown. Nonetheless, got the win, that's all that matters. I know Clemson fans got to see a little bit of Lynn J. Dixon, who's been, you've been able to see a little bit of him throughout the years, but he'll be the running back for next year. And he's not ETN. I mean, ETN broke like pretty much every record at Clemson, but he definitely ain't like too big of a drop off from like the Wayne Gallman to the Travis ETN to now Lynn J. Dixon. Like, I think he'll be good to go. I think he'll be fine. And you'll just get more carries next year, being that uh, Travis will be gone and really get to show the country like there's no drop off here now this is lock clemson into this ACC championship game against notre dame y'all this is going to be a good one because this is a playoff game right here dabble said the virginia tech game was a playoff game but no no no. this clemson notre dame game is a playoff game because the winner of this game goes to college football playoff and that and i would say i'm debating this even if notre dame can lose this game in a close matchup i think they'll still go number four because they've just been uh I wouldn't say they've been so dominant this year, but they just kept winning. And I I always keep hearing this, and I think it's hilarious, that for years, everybody has said, Notre Dame, the reason Notre Dame is so good is because they don't participate in a conference. Like, they're a part-time member of uh, the ACC when it comes to football, but they don't like to stay in a conference, which is really smart for them because then they get a lot of TV revenue with NBC for being their own thing as opposed to having to share it with a whole conference like 12 or 14 teams but anyway the very first year that they join a conference they go undefeated in the conference and I think they won the I'm pretty sure they won the regular season uh, ACC championship the regular season one not the the, the one the other one determined the Charlotte because they beat Clemson and they just went undefeated so shout out to Notre Dame fans across the world but I, I'm I'm, this is a hard prediction for me. I'm going to have to give it a couple days before I can predict. No, 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 I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to predict that Clemson wins this one against Notre Dame and Charlotte. But We're going to see what happens with it. All right, we're going to move to the Big Ten where Ohio State did, in fact, beat Michigan State with the final score of 52 to 12. We got to see Justin Fields run the ball a little bit more in this game. He had 13 carries for 104 yards on the ground. Uh, Justin, Justin is a complete player. However, the broadcaster for this game, oh my gosh, he would have, you thinking Justin is some trash, he can't go in anticipation and none of the other things. Uh, he, he was going at Justin Fields kind of hard. And I think a lot of people didn't appreciate that. You could check Twitter throughout the game. It's like, buddy, I think the guy's name is Dan, if I'm not mistaken. He, I know he was a quarterback for the Lions that ran out the back of the end zone, but he was kind of going at Justin Fields. And the thing that's so important about being a broadcaster is you really kind of tell the people what to think. Now, obviously, the people can see it for themselves, but you tell them what to think. So a lot of people are sitting there like, you know what, maybe Justin isn't so good. So the Buckeye faithful definitely didn't appreciate that. Like I said, if you want to see more about that check the Twitter comments, but Justin Fields had himself a, a day nonetheless. Uh, throwing the ball, he went 17 for 24, 199 yards, and two touchdowns. Chris, Chris Olave had 10 receptions for 139 yards, and one touchdowns and one touchdown. The thing though, was Chris Olave fumbled a little bit. He fumbled twice in this game. He fumbled a little bit throughout this season too. So that's going to be something, I think opposing teams that play Ohio State in the playoffs, they're going to look at that, but okay, he's a little bit sly with the ball. So on the opposite side of that, I think that the coaches for Ohio State will recognize that. And they will therefore work with him a lot on that because they watch film just like everybody else. Larry Johnson became the first black coach, black head coach in Ohio State history. Cause he was in the interim, cause Ryan Day was out because of the COVID situation. Um, did wanna talk about here real quickly. First of all, Haskell, shout out Haskell Garrett. He was an offense. I mean, he's a defensive lineman for Ohio State that was shot earlier in the year in the face after, uh, this is a really weird incident that happened in Columbus, but he was shot anyway. In this game, he, he made a full recovery from that in this game, he caught a touchdown, a tip ball in there, he caught it. So major shout out to Haskell Garrett. Another thing about this game too, was as far as that Ohio State offensive line, like three or four of their offensive linemen were out due to COVID from last week. So they basically had to put a new offensive line up there, which included a new center, which was almost terrible. It's a great thing that Justin builds good hands, because pretty much, I would say, if there was, let's say there was 37, this is a rough estimate. Let's say if there were 37 snaps, the, uh, from the Ohio State offense in the first half, I would say 27 of them were bad snaps. So Justin Fields was having to jump all over the place and then keep the timing of the play because, you know, read option, he's got to get that ball to that running back when, and that running back is coming at a certain time. So major shout out to Justin Fields. For, and I think that also contributed to him running a little bit more because the timing of the play was off. But yeah, so we look, whenever that center gets back, he's going to have to isolate himself by himself whenever he's not on that game or practice field because we can. Not have to go have Ohio State go into the college football playoff and that guy that played on Saturday get get in because that was unacceptable. Um, and it's crazy because what I was thinking was like, wow, this guy had a, got a scholarship to play at Ohio State and can't snap the ball very well. But it came out in the broadcast that this guy isn't used to playing center, he probably was like a guard or a tackle or something in high school. He just got to Ohio State and they're like, okay, we need you to play this. For this week, so just learn it really quickly, and that's a lot, and that's very hard to do whenever you got a defensive tackle standing or a nose tackle standing over you that's done this their whole life and have and are so good they got a scholarship from Michigan State. So that definitely was something to look at there, but can't have him playing, uh, whatever it really matters. Did want to mention Peyton Thorne. Michigan State's quarterback because their starter got hurt. I think he might have bruised some ribs or something. Peyton Thorne, their backup came in, 16 for 16 for 25 for 147 yards. Uh, I think he had seven rushes for 42 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Let me get that stat. Now he had nine carries for 100. I mean, nine carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. Y'all, I think he's gonna be the truth. This kid, when I sat there and watched him get, I was like, yeah, he can play. He actually kind of brought a new thing to the office. They were kind of dead for a little while there, but he he got them going. I think that he could be every bit as good as uh, – they've had some great quarterback, Connor Cook, uh, the guy that plays with the Vikings right now. I'm drawing a blank right now on his name. But he, I think he can be very good. And I looked him up. I think his whole family like of coaches and stuff, whole family surrounded by football guys. He's the lead 11 quarterback, and I could definitely see it. I think that the future is definitely bright for Michigan State. Brighter days are certainly ahead of him. For, for the team, and Michigan. Is Ohio State has Michigan. They call the team up north this week. I expect them to stomp Michigan, especially after early in the year. I think something happened at Big Ten media day where Ryan Day did not appreciate something Harbaugh said. He's like, "You pay attention to your team. I will pay attention to mine." So Ohio State might just hang ninety on them. But listen to me, Ohio State. I mean, uh, yeah, Ohio State. If you're listening to this, get Ryan Day specifically. Do not leave Justin Fields. In this game after they go up, I would say by like 35 points because last year's game that happened, Justin Fields was now that was, it wasn't quite as much of a big point differential at the time, but Justin Fields got hurt in that game. they ended up hurting Ohio State in the playoff because he wasn't fully mobile like we needed him to be. So if they go up, if Ohio State goes up 35. Pull Justin Fields out the game and let's go see some of the backup quarterbacks get in this game. Like CJ Stroud or a what's the other guy's name? Jack Miller. Let's not have leave Justin Fields in the game because if he gets injured going to his playoff and this year's playoff is different, Just the cards are stacked against Ohio State because Alabama's a beast. Alabama's a beast. So let's give ours the best chance to be successful. And we go up. Cool. Justin fills out the game, and let's see between uh, get C.J. Stroud, who I think is the future of Ohio State at quarterback, or Jack Miller, uh, a chance. C.J. Stroud got in the game, had a had a rush of 48 yards and a touchdown off a read option play. Kid out of California, we're really looking forward to him in the future. Quincy Avery's big on him. I'm big on him. That's the future of Ohio State football. All right, we're gonna move here to the Coastal Carolina BYU game. The country is excited for this one. It was supposed to be Coastal Carolina Liberty, but Liberty had some like COVID cases, so they had to cancel that game. And so they got BYU on the phone. BYU said, we'll come play anytime, anywhere. So BYU was ready to go. They came down to Myrtle Beach. I think a lot of people were excited to see Zach Wilson because people on the our coast probably will not never see him unless he comes gets drafted by some team on the East Coast. And they will never be this BYU team again, which happened to be really good. Um... They, had, they did a recreation of the Catholics versus the convicts, which was Miami, Notre Dame back in the day. And this was the Mormons versus the mullets. Cause you know, obviously in Utah, the Mormons and the mullets are the people from uh, Coastal Carolina, it's really the white people though. There ain't no black folk wearing no mullets. I don't even think our hair is designed to do like that. But anyway, the BYU was 13th in the country. Coastal Carolina was 18th. Coastal Carolina got the win final score of 17 to 20, or 22 to 17, you gotta put the winning team first. I think that Zach Wilson probably underestimated how good of a defensive line and just simply a pass rush that Coastal Carolina had. Coastal Carolina was getting after it. And Zach Wilson just I don't think was used to that. I think that this was the best thing for Coastal Carolina for admissions purposes and football, even though I'm pretty sure that coach probably ended up leaving after this year. go get a better opportunity. But that read option they have is lethal. You do not know where that ball is. And if you do, you can't stop it. And their quarterback is the, he's from North Carolina, is the perfect kind of quarterback to run it because he's a running quarterback. I mean, I think he probably, he can throw a little bit, but he is a running quarterback and he's really good with it. I think the scheme he ran in high school was very similar to this. A lot of high schools are running this read option. And so therefore when he got, and he's a freshman too, and so whenever he got to Coastal Carolina, he's already prepared to do it, understand some of the nuances. So sometimes he'll hold the ball in there a little bit extra, then pull it at the last minute. They're running back. I think his name is Torrance Marrable had a great game 23 carries 132 yards and between him and Grayson the quarterback they were just able to put this thing together um great great re-option it's different it's a spread re-option kind of they still run the ball a lot out of it but yeah great game for Coastal Carolina when the country was watching they made the most of it one thing I did not understand, and I swore I was going to mention this on the podcast, was late in that game, I think four minutes left, five minutes left, I think it was like fourth and like nine, I wonder, it must have been like fourth and nine, and uh, and BYU punted the football, I did not understand why they did that for the, end of in the fourth quarter, I did not understand for the life of me why they did that. Like their defense has been able to stop Coastal Carolina the whole game. Luckily that BYU defense ended up messing around and getting a stop towards the end of it, but that could have been the one thing that put it in the coffin right there. If Coastal Carolina could have kept just moving the ball and getting first down after first down because their their offense had not been stopped really the whole game. And that, just as expected, that offense takes a lot of time off the clock. I think at one point it took nine minutes off the clock straight, which meant to put Zach Wilson on the sideline watching instead of playing, which is not what BYU wanted. But uh, great game, great game. BYU, and this is why I was saying, I don't know why BYU would play this game. Because even if they win this game, it's like, okay, you beat Coastal Carolina, you're not going to the playoff. You need to schedule a game against one of the Power 5 teams that had a bias or a and, and then that game would have be been more beneficial for you, but you lose this one. Now you ain't even going to like a New Year's State Bowl so it's going to be what it's going to be. This is why I did not understand why they would schedule this game. I think I asked I asked some, uh, some of the co-hosts of Sportscasters, another podcast more. like, why would they schedule this? This is not going, this can only, like, it's like whenever a rapper battles somebody less famous than them that's been talking junk to them or something like that. It's like, this isn't going to benefit you. This can only benefit the other team. So, but it, it, they did what they did and they lost. So now they're out of it. Next time we hear about Zach Wilson will be when he's preparing for the NFL draft. All right, and now we're going to go back to the SEC for what I see, and we'll talk about the two guys who I think are the the Trophy candidates at this point. It's not that I don't think, I don't think Justin Fields can win it anymore, I just don't think, I don't see that happening, him missing some games, that three interception performance kind of hurt him, I think he definitely still is one of the best players in college football, but I think at this point you might have to get yeah, I think you might have to give it to the Alabama quarterback. I'm gonna tell you why. Mac Jones. Well, first of all, Alabama beat Tennessee. Final score 48 17. That's nobody's surprised. Mac Jones, 25 for 31, 387 yards in the air. And man, oh man, Devontae Smith. First of all, John Mechie, Mechie. Whichever one I didn't figure that out. Uh was a leading receiver for Alabama. He's number eight. He has seven receptions for 151 yards. Devontae Smith had seven receptions for 73 yards and a ridiculous, kind of like a one-handed catch to an extent, but not you know, you know, a lot of times big guys have a win, and kind of bring it into their body. That's what he did there. But Mac Jones just been putting it together all year. A lot of people are saying he's having a Joe Burrow year. Y'all need to slow down with that. That's not what that no. It, it, this is a little bit expected like Joe Burrow literally, that kind of came out of nowhere so I'm not gonna give him that necessarily but definitely had a great year for him um and the undefeated not even really thrown too many interceptions got the ball to his talent that's kind of what you ask your quarterback to do Now I think Justin Fields is more explosive and stuff like that but I think Mac Jones might win this award but yeah I guess if Ohio State goes undefeated Justin Fields has every chance to win it I'm a Justin Fields fan so of course I want him to win I just don't know how that'll work out but the other guy and the reason I, I, the reason I kind of put Kyle Trask a little bit behind Justin is because Kyle Trask lost the game. So that's definitely – and although he does play in the SEC, nonetheless, you lost the game to the Texas A&M. But that Florida, let's talk about Florida. Being in the Tennessee Volunteers, final score 31-19. Kyle Trask went 35 for 49 for 433 yards and four touchdowns. For the, Obviously, he was a different quarterback back in high school, but I don't know how he couldn't beat Derek King at, in high school, because Eric King was starting quarterback for that high school, who's at the University of Miami right now, but Kyle Trask is just lighten it up, man. Kyle Pitts, the tight end, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, the John Mackey Award trophy winner, has seven receptions for 128 yards, and Kadarius Toney, which is a, which I think gonna be one of the top receivers coming out the draft. I'm pretty sure he's a junior senior this year. Anyway, he had eight receptions, 108 yards and a touchdown. So big day for the, in the Florida uniforms. Oh my goodness. Jordan gave them these uniforms, the blue helmets with the white shirts, with the blue pants. The uniforms are elite. I think one of the best moves Florida made was uh, going with Jordan. I mean, they were already in Nike school, which is part of Jordan, but now they're fully Jordan. And the uniforms the threads were amazing. I look forward to seeing, hopefully they do wear some type of different color contrast and they play Alabama in the SEC championship game, big game for Florida. You win, you're in. You lose, you're out. That's pretty much as simple as that. You gotta go beat the big dog. So we'll see what happens with that. Before I move forward, just had to mention this. Did anybody else from watching the Coastal Carolina game hear that the offensive coordinator for Coastal Carolina was Willie Corn? Y'all, I th- that has been a long, such a long time since I've heard his name. I remember him back in like 2000. I want to say like eight. No, no, no. Y'all yeah, like in 2008ish, whenever he was the Burns quarterback that led them to two state at two... Four A state championship games, like almost an all American in high school, went to Clemson. Didn't really pan out and do what I think what a lot of people expected them to do because the stakes were so high. A lot of times coming from those big high school programs, going to like a school like Clemson, especially in the state, because the fans expect you to continue what you did in high school in college, and it does not necessarily work like that. But anyway, did some research on him. Apparently, whenever things the injury bug kept hitting him at Clemson, he transferred to North Greenville. Started at quarterback his junior and senior year season. Um, went 11 and three, went an All-American honors in one year, and then for his career at North Greenville, he finished 18 and four through two seasons. Through four, four thousand fifty-eight yards, forty-five touchdowns, ran for two, ran the ball 212 times for 944 yards and 11 touchdowns. And was a elite eleven quarterback, quarterback South Carolina Gatorade Player of the Year, all that in high school. Two, there you go. In two thousand five and two thousand six, whenever he was his last years in high school, but yeah, so that was was really crazy to hear. Like Willie Corn, dominated the game as a high school quarterback, college okay uh, Clemson definitely dominated North Greenville and now he's one of the young up and coming minds as far as um, offensive coordinator so I think the head coach would definitely take him wherever he ends up going so it's great to hear about Willie Cornwood he's like where his whereabouts are now and also we have to speak on justin fields i know y'all saw trey sermon the running back from that transfer from oklahoma who's now at Ohio state take off on what had been like a 50-yard run and justin fields like started running and he like ran up to trey sermon and passed him just to like make a one last block i think justin fields is a bully i'm 100 like he's like that guy you really i don't know if y'all are saved by the bell and it's like you see the, the the varsity football player with the jacket on and kind of just like y'all aren't, y'all aren't me like keep the comparison Yeah, Justin Fields ran all the way down that field, like kind of just sprint, obviously, but it didn't seem like he was stressing too bad. Just knocked the defensive back down. That was Tracy and Chase Sermon. And so most people on Twitter are like, what is Justin Fields' 40 yard time? Because Trace Sermon can move. And the fact that Justin just seamlessly just caught up to him was amazing, so I thought. And that's also really what you want to see, I'm sure, with it. as an NFL scout. It's like, man, the quarterback went to run down there like that to block for the running back, and I think Justin just wanted to be a bully too. So crazy, two crazy things that to watch. That I definitely noticed, like, hey, where is Willie Corn been at? And Justin Fields just continues to be the freaking nature that he is. Quincy Avery had said, I remember Quincy Avery said before the season, he was like, Justin's running about a four or three, and a lot of people were like, there's no end world. But sure enough, Justin's a vegan or whatever, and he's. And he's playing like it too. Now we are going to move to the NFL. First thing I want to say the Browns. How about the Browns? Nobody's really giving them credit right now. I think a lot of people are kind of sick of them, to be honest with you. I don't think a lot of people like them from the get go. People only like to talk about when they were losing. The Browns are 9 and 3. First win of the season in 13 years. Odell Beckham isn't even playing. They knocked off the Titans, win the final score at 41 to 35. So you gotta say something about that. Baker Mayfield with 25-33, 334 yards in the air and four touchdowns. Nick Chubb had himself a day, 18 carries for 80 yards, him and Kareem Hunter in that backfield. Kareem Hunt didn't rush for nearly as much. Um Gotta give him, and then Jarvis Landry in receiving that was the leading receptions. Had the leading guy with the most receptions. Had eight receptions for 62 yards and a touchdown. Rashard Higgins had six receptions for 95 yards and a touchdown. And Donovan Peoples-Jones had two receptions for 92 yards and a touchdown. That's crazy. That means he averaged 46 yards. That, that, that means one of those was a deep ball, clearly. But nonetheless, nobody want to talk about the Browns whenever they or, uh well, let's put it like this. Everybody want to talk about the Browns whenever they were losing, saying how Baker Mayfield wasn't nothing. But it's like, now they're winning, you don't hear anything about it. So shout out Baker Mayfield on the win. We're going to keep it moving with uh, Houston, Texas. My Texans, y'all. Deshaun Watson, I swear, keeps us in every game, and we just find a way to lose it. And it's, it's so upsetting. We lost to the Colts with the final score of 26 to 20. There's like a minute left. We're driving down to put the ball into the end zone. Deshaun Watson, another one. He's Jordan drives, I would say, although that's one football. But him just being the Michael Jordan that he is inside, he's driving us down. The center gives him a bad snap. The Colts recover, we lose the game. I'm telling you, every single game, we are in it. That's why, although we have a 4-8 record, it's like we are in every single game, no matter if we play the Steelers or whoever, but it's always something that happens with these doggone Texans. Sean Watson, 26 and 38, 341 yards uh, and one interception. This is his first interception in a while, so he's gotten much better with that. We were with backup receivers, Kiki, uh, I'm just gonna say his first name, Kiki, number 16, one of our wide receivers. Eight receptions, 141 yards. Chad Hansen, five receptions, 101 yards. And Brandon Cooks was five receptions for 65 yards. Meanwhile, on the Colts, Phillip Rivers went 27 for 35, 285 yards in the air and two touchdowns. You knew T.Y. Hilton was going to do his thing. Eight receptions, 110 yards, and one touchdown. So, but the thing that's so upsetting, we were going down to win the game, and then it happened like the 10 yard line. And I knew Deshaun was going to get that ball into the end zone. So, Unfortunately, we get the loss and we are now four and eight, and they are eight and four. I was just thinking maybe, just maybe we can keep winning out for the rest of the year and somehow find ourselves in the playoffs. That's not happening anymore. I don't even want to talk about it. We're going to move forward. The Giants beat the Seahawks with the final score of 17 to 12. The Giants are one, no, no, no. The Seahawks are one of these teams where them and the Cardinals do this all the time. You'll be sitting there and you're like, you watch them on TV and you think, wow, the Seahawks, the Cardinals are a very good team. Like nobody's really gonna mess with them this year. And then you'll look and watch the box score of another game and you'll be like, how did the Seahawks lose to such and such? Like they are not even on their level. Well, this happened in this game. Giants win 17, 12, like I think I just said. Colt McCoy, 13, uh, 13, you went 13 for 22 for 105 yards, touchdown interception. Nice to see Wayne Gallman hop back on the radar. I've been keeping an eye on Wayne Gallman. You know, he was at Clemson as the running back when Deshaun Watson was there. 16 carries, 135 yards. I think one of the most underrated receivers in the league. And Darius Slayton didn't have a good game in this game. Is Darius Slayton. He is like, he's been balling out. It's either that he's one of the most underrated receivers or him and Daniel Jones have a really good connection. Russell Wilson, 27-43, 263 yards one touchdown, one interception. And you know, DK Metcalf had to get his catches in. He had five receptions for 80 yards. And Tyler Lockett had six receptions for 63 yards. So big win for the Giants there in that trash division. And uh, for the Seahawks, I think Pete Carroll, they kind of go back to the drawing board, figure it out. Since we're in the NFC lease, we have to talk about the Eagles. They finally benched Carson Wentz and they brought in my guy, Jalen Hurts. Wow. Yeah, although they lost the game 30 to 26, I mean 30 16. Jalen Hurts threw his first touchdown in the NFL. He had more, um, <laughs> he had more throwing yards. I want to say like I feel like there's a thing, a different thing to say with that. But anyway, he went five for 12 for 109 yards, got his touchdown, and he had an interception. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz went six for 15 for 79 yards. So I think this might be. I don't know if this is gonna be a permanent switch, but it was definitely nice to see Jalen Hurts in the game. I know Quincy Avery and the rest of the quarterback. The QB takeover was super excited to see Jalen Hurts today because Quincy Avery been yelling from the rooftop since the beginning of the year to put Jalen Hurts in this game once we see, he started seeing how Carson Wentz was playing last but not least we're going to go to the Chiefs who did in fact get the win they beat the Broncos try you know you know Patrick Mahomes gonna do what Patrick Mahomes does the final score of this game was 22-16. Chiefs moved to 11 and one. Patrick Mahomes went 25 for 40 for 318 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelce, big day. Eight receptions, 136 yards. And you had, the, as a matter of fact, I was going to say this, but, you know, I always do my helmet sticker. Usually I do it for the college football. I'm going to give it to Darren Waller in the NFL, the Las Vegas Raiders. Still weird, not calling them the Oakland Raiders. But the Las Vegas Raiders tight end had 13 receptions, 200 yards and two touchdowns and the Raiders win over the Jets, the final score 31-28. Henry Ruggs the third, had that uh, game-winning touchdown over, over the top. Derek Carr threw it over the top, deep pass, landed, hit, really Henry Ruggs so fast, if you just throw that thing out there, he gonna run under it. And they were able to pull off the win, so big win for the Raiders as usual. All right, we're gonna move here to high school football really quickly gonna just talk about the Camden, Camden Daniel. Camden did in fact lose to Daniel with the final score of 52-31. Camden has a really good program. I'm I'm not gonna say they're gonna have an undefeated season next year, but that coaching staff, I think is really good out there at Camden. And and Kershaw County is one of those counties where it's like, okay, Camden, all those. Most time kids go to elementary school together, play Pop Warner, middle, high, all the way through. So we'll get to see what type of program he's built down there at Camden and Zip Stadium, but they did lose. On Saturday, AC Floor got the win. Uh, AC Floor has has always had one of those programs where it's like, okay, they're, they're pretty decent. They just can't get over the edge. They're able to get over the edge, beating North Myrtle Beach Saturday with the final score 42 to seven. The game marked AC Floor's first appearance in the finals for football, and the victory was also the first state championship in football for Richland One since 1970. So big win there for the AC4 Falcons, and we'll see. They got a great coaching staff as well. So we'll see if they're back next year. And then, you know, a lot of times in high school football, you start winning the state championships. A lot of times, like coaches like Tom Knox, they have gotten college offers. They just have chosen to stay in high school football. You start winning the state championships, the college coach is like, maybe we could bring him on as an analyst or something like that, given our program. Because if you're a high school coach, you probably understand high school kids, which means you'd be great for what? Recruiting, because you were literally just in the trenches coaching high school players. And you also have a connection in that state. Also, Dutch Fork got the win Friday night, beating TL Hannah to get them give them another state championship. They won 28 to 6 at Char Charlie W. Jordan Stadium. And that was, and so Dutch Fork is nothing new. I was at a Dutch Fork South Point game earlier this year. And when Dutch Fork scores, their fans are not even very excited. It's like Alabama. It's like, of course, they did, that. did you expect anything less? The opposite of River Bluff. River Bluff, anytime anything happens, the fans are all over the place. Uh, <laughs> they're like the new kid on the block, Dutch not and we've been here. We've seen that. But that is all I have for you on this week's edition of Matt Sports. Hopefully, I was to have some of my guests back on next week. A lot of exams and stuff going on. People going out of town and stuff. So hopefully, we'll be. They'll all be back next week. We're gonna keep this thing going. Um, make sure you go follow. First of all, if you look when if you're to this, make sure you subscribe apple podcast like it make sure you give me a rate too i would appreciate that immensely we'll use that whenever i'm trying to get some of these advertisers follow the instagram page at matt's sports house so that's two s's right there matt's s and then sports yeah uh make sure you follow the instagram page i got a twitter one too but instagram was one to really be popping i try to post like little updates throughout the week, little clips and stuff like that so that's really cool make sure you follow the show on instagram and uh thanks for listening that's all i have for you today peace